Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. We have a lot to talk about today. First off, a UCLA professor was recently put on leave after, get this, refusing to give non-white students time off for the death of George Floyd, then is stating that biological sex is real and anti-trans dog whistle. According to some LGBT activists, the answer is heck yeah. And finally, what does it mean to be anti-racist in the year 2020? The answer is long, complex, and if you ask me, sounds suspiciously a lot like Marxism and, well, plain old racism. That's what we're going to be talking about today, but first, I want to save you folks some money with Gabby. We are all trying to save right now, especially in this economy, but when was the last time you looked at how much money you're spending every month on your car insurance or your homeowner's insurance. Well, now's the time to check out Gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, places like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. Just link your current insurance account and in about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you already have on average. Gabby customers save around $825 per year. It's totally free to check your rate. There is no obligation and they won't sell your info. So take two minutes right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Lauren. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Lauren. Again, Gabby.com slash Lauren. So if you've seen this show before, you'll know that universities are hotbeds of far left activism intersectional feminism, Marxism, general anti-Western sentiment, whatever the far left ideology is that you can think of, they are teaching it at universities. And for a while, myself, I've been wondering who exactly is driving this push ever leftward. Is it the students? Is it the administrators, the professors themselves? Like which group is is at the core of this? Sometimes I'll see professors teaching crazy things and say, yep, they're the problem. Other times, like with Evergreen, where students essentially take over campus, I'll be like, yep, these kids just, I don't know, maybe need to be needed to be spanked more as children. Well, at UCLA, it appears that the students are the ones uh, giving professors a run for their money. One professor has been placed on leave after he refused to excuse non-white students from coursework because of the death of George Floyd. How those two things are related, coursework for non-white students, George Floyd's death, it's, it's foggy to me, but we shall attempt to understand. We have this article here from Free Beacon. They write, UCLA students are demanding that professors cancel or extend final exams for minority students in light of the death of George Floyd, and some are pressuring the school to fire professors who refuse. Anderson School of Management professor Gordon Klein was doxxed by students after he refused to allow minority students to abstain from taking final exams. A student in Klein's Management 127 class, who wishes to remain anonymous for fear of retribution, requested accommodations for minority students during these trying times. In the exchange, Klein questioned the appropriateness of using race to determine how students should be treated. I have a lot of problems with this student in question who uh, propositioned the professor. First off, how, how delicate, how much of just a 
gentle, squishy marshmallow do you have to be to be so upset by the death of somebody you don't know on the news that you're unable to complete your coursework? And I know people will say, well, they're just upset about the state of race relations and stuff like that. No, you're not. I'm sorry. Things are not that bad for you. UCLA student, this is a top 20 university. Do you have any idea how much tuition is there? You are not an impressed person. Um, this is just an excuse to not do coursework. And you know what? I get it. I've been a student before. I've been in your position where you would just try literally anything you can think of to not have to do the assignment. But we have to stop letting these students get away with it. Right. I mean, they're essentially children. They show zero emotional maturity. It's natural that they're going to try to throw these temper tantrums. But as the adults in the situation, you do not give in. Like these universities are bringing it upon themselves every time they they give in to these outrageous demands. Here we have the response the professor gave. And if you ask me, it's pretty amazing. This guy has some balls. I'll say that to write this in 2020. But he says, thanks for your suggestion in your email below that I give black students special treatment given the tragedy in Minnesota. And note that he does acknowledge that what happened in Minnesota was a tragedy. He continues, do you know the names of the classmates that are black? How can I identify them since we've been having online classes only? Are there any students that may be of mixed parentage such as half black, half Asian? What do you suggest I do with respect to them? A full concession or just half? Klein concluded his email with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that people should not be evaluated based on the color of their skin. Amen, brother. Thank you. It would be one thing if the student had asked for you know, exam extensions for everybody because they're all going through hard times. But no, it's just apparently the minority students that are so... I don't know, molly coddled or emotional that they can't even bear to do work during this hard time. If anything, that kind of mentality, it really is the low, the bigotry of low expectations, right? I mean, are non-white people so easily affected by watching the news that they can no longer do their work? I mean, is the answer to just not expect them to work or maybe not allow them to consume media anymore? No, seriously, tell me what we're supposed to do in this situation if what these people are saying is true. And by the way, for clarity, no, I don't think it's true. The article goes on to say, though, Preet Baines, a UCLA senior state, started a change.org petition urging the university to fire Klein for his response to the student's email. We ask for your support in having Professor Klein's professorship terminated for his extremely insensitive, dismissive. I don't think it was insensitive. He was very deferential to what happened to Floyd, his death. He called it a tragedy. If anything, maybe it was insensitive to your, your little feelings, your delicate, delicate feelings. But I mean... Who cares about that? And they called it woefully racist response. What he wrote was not racist. If anything, it was calling out the students' racism for asking that non-white students be treated differently. More than 18,000 people had signed the petition as of Thursday afternoon. I believe it's up to 20,000 at the time that I'm filming this. Baines did not respond to a request for comment. UCLA education professor Tyrone Howard, on the other hand, was heralded earlier this week after he replaced his class's final paper with a one-page write-up on how students feel about what is going on in the nation right now. In lieu of your final paper, I would like everyone to submit a one-page reflection, double or single space, so potentially a half-page reflection. I just want you to respond to these two simple questions. What do I make about what is going on in the nation right now? And how am I doing right now? So pretty much just write about your feelings. This is the most like, you know those 
2016 ridiculous SJW cringe compilations. Like this is exactly that kind of content. And it, it, it kills me that we are still dealing with this in 2016 because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, the, the culture war has won, has been won. You know, uh, SJW's wrecked. No, these people are still in power writing half page papers about their feelings for university classes. Unbelievable. And uh, the person who originally tried to get Dean Klein fired, I guess, they posted this this tweet um, with an email from the school saying, Dear students, Professor Klein is currently on leave from campus and his courses have been reassigned to some other professors. In a perfect world, a world I would like to see, it would be the student who originally asked for a break from coursework for non-white students that would be getting all the negative attention and criticism right now, right? Because that's really the the racist thing to do, singling out non-white students and the lazy thing to do. Instead, it's this professor who I think is trying to do right by his students. He is trying to treat them all equally regardless of race. And he is trying to show them that, hey, <laughs> real world doesn't work like this, right? You can't just say, I don't want to do this because I feel sad today. And, and never mind, like, I'm sure I actually do support when it's an, uh, an emotional trauma, s professors giving some leeway, you know, students sometimes have family members get sick or they fall ill themselves. I'm fully in, on board with some understanding in those situations. Same goes for employers. But this is, this is no nothing like that. It's a new story that you don't like. Granted, it was tragedy. It's a new story. It's not relating to you directly. Move on. All right, so next up is stating that biological sex being is real and being anti-trans. Yes, that's the world that we're living in. So JK Rowling, you know, if you've seen our episode, she's been accused of being a TERF or trans exclusionary radical feminist before. Those are the feminists who, uh, much to the chagrin of the far left SJW ideologues, do not accept that uh, trans women are exactly the same as biological cisgendered women. So J.K. Rowling is at it again, once again, pissing off the activists. She recently posted a statement affirming the existence of biological sex and her respect of trans people. I want to be clear, she she wasn't, I, I don't think, disrespectful to trans people, but still, activists are not having it. So is, is biological sex transphobic? We'll see. First, though, I want to tell you about Keeps. So Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair, but the way they dealt with their hair loss couldn't have been more different. Kyle kept put putting off getting treatments uh, for hair loss and losing more hair by the day, while Josh, on the other hand, went to Keeps to learn how to keep his hair. Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products, the real deal. The generic versions saved Josh a fortune, and all it took was a quick online consultation. He answered a few questions and snapped pics of his hair. Then a doctor evaluated everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh. Then it was shipped discreetly to his door. So all of this without having to leave the house. Keeps lets you save hair without leaving your couch. And to get you started, I got you half off your first order. That's right, 50% off, huge savings. Go to keeps.com slash Lauren. That's keeps.com slash Lauren, K-E-E-P-S.com slash Lauren. So we have JK Rowling's thread 
on social media right here. She stated, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. The idea that women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences is nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say this. I think and I, I believe most people would agree with me that this is a perfectly sane, rational, and even empathetic statement, right? Um, she's being very clear here that she does not hold any ill will to trans people and that she believes they should absolutely have the same rights as anyone else. I, I think that's amazing. Uh, and she does bring up a good point about how if sex isn't real, then same-sex attraction doesn't really hold the the same amount of weight as some activists like to push, right? Um, and I've, I've brought this up before on social media. I, I once asked, so Sam Smith, he's a biologically male singer who identifies as non-binary they, them. I asked, if I find him attractive, does that mean that I, as a female, being attracted to a non-binary person, am queer? Like, these people, I feel, are more and more buying into the notion that sexuality is actually based on gender identity, which means that a lesbian who is not attracted to someone with a penis who is completely male presenting but calls himself a woman is potentially transphobic. And we're seeing that, right? And people who speak out about that concept, like Ariel Scarcella, they're called TERFs and transphobe. Um, the way I was first exposed to transgenderism um, was that it, it's, it's a psychological and neurological condition, right? It all has to do with what's going on in your brain. Uh, the brains of men and women are different. And in trans people, you know, there's a miscommunication, something that happened during development. The brain ends up being more similar to that of the opposite sex, right? So you have a, a male body with a female brain. It's a medical condition and these people are outliers. Uh, doesn't mean that they're not deserving of respect or equal rights or anything like that. They're still people, but it, 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 is, it is a condition. And growing up kind of, you know, as a high schooler and through college, that explanation always made sense to me. I, I accepted that and I saw no reason to treat trans people poorly because of their condition or anything like that. And that's also the way I've heard it, you know, gender dysphoria and transgenderism described to me by other trans people as well. But the thing is, that's not what these activists anymore, or even some psychologists now, define as gender dysphoria or uh, transgenderism. What I've described, the whole like brain thing, that's now called transmedicalism. And it's actually looked down upon by LGBT activists because they say that trying to assert that gender dysphoria is like a medical condition or is like biological, that's transphobic now because um, it, it doesn't affirm the existence or validity of things like non-binary trans people or, or trans people who don't actually transition or, uh, I don't know, gender fluid trans people, right? 
which I think, if anything, delegitimizes the the existence of trans people, right? I mean, if it's if it's a medical condition, then it it, it kind of becomes an issue of science. Uh, let's do studies, see how we can help these people feel their best, uh, you know, be the most stable and things like that. But what what the LGBT lobby is pushing us toward is just meaningless feelings i like to wear a dress therefore i am whatever i say like no that's a whole other thing entirely it sounds like jk rowling i mean not to try to speak for her too much views the trans issue kind of like i do in a way that does not negate the existence of biological sex or the relationship between biological sex and gender um, you know, this shouldn't be about ideology. This should really be about science and about medicine. And I know some people, uh, when I commented on this on social media, were like, why do you care whether some people think gender is sex and sex is a spectrum or whatever? This is actually affecting laws now. You can't say, oh, it's just crazy people on Tumblr anymore because it very much isn't. Um, sports, bathrooms, prisons, language in general, the way companies are run, like with tampon companies, all of this is being affected by this crazy notion that sex, biological sex is not real. All I'm saying is that biological sex is real and we shouldn't think of it as being against trans rights to acknowledge that fact because it's simply not. And if activists try to paint this as you either accept trans people and that biology is just not a thing or you're a bigot, they're going to lose that battle because people understand the way this works. Most of us have, have taken uh, middle school biology. Okay, now finally, let's talk about what it means to be anti-racist in the year 2020. As an individualist, I myself despise racism. I can't think of anything more offensive or there are very few things than being treated differently because of the color of your skin, right? Because we're all more than our ethnicities. That's not to say our ethnicities don't exist, but they're not all there is to us as people. So when I think of being anti-racist, there are a couple of things that come to mind. I think we should be treating people as individuals, i.e. not just representatives of their own race. I am more than a half white, half Chinese person, right? And I would like to be treated as as such, right? I have all these interests. I have all of this history that does not relate to my race. I would like that to weigh more in people's considerations of me than just, oh yeah, like you're, you're kind of like a, a light yellow. Let me judge you based on that. Uh, next, I also think it's important for us to call out instances when people aren't being treated as individuals, right? If you see someone who's being treated a certain way just because of their race, I do think that's wrong. Let's let's call it out and say, hey, this person is more than their skin color. They're more than a black person, a, a white person, whatever. Treat them as such. I think we need to support equal opportunity policies, right? If there is something we can do to make sure people are being treated the same, not based on their immutable characteristics, let's go for it. Uh, something that I think we actually could do is I've heard people suggest removing names from resumes for the initial screening parts of, of job applications. I actually don't have a problem with that, right? If there is a subconscious bias, then removing names would remove racial or uh, even gender bias. You know, let, let, let's do it. Why not? I mean, it's just a name on a resume. What, what harm can it do? Uh, next, we need to stand for unity, right? We need to elevate character over race. We need to find commonalities with people of different races so that we understand that there is more uniting us than separating us. 
To me, that's what being anti-racist means. And I would love to know for, for you folks, what does the term imply for you? Now, what's frustrating is that my definition of being anti-racist is actually not the accepted social justice definition of being anti-racist. No, no. Uh, what being anti-racist now means to activists, if you were to ask them, is to acknowledge that we live in a white supremacist society. That's probably number one. You also need to acknowledge that if you are a white person, you have unearned privilege and that you cannot understand the experiences of non-white people. To be anti-racist in 2020, apparently you also have to vow to use your privilege to lift up POC. You actively need to be doing things to help non-white people. You also need to surrender your power, if possible, to POC slash marginalized communities, right? If you're taking up space that a, a POC could be taking up, then you need to examine whether it's right for you to do that. And finally, you also need to know that if you're not actively doing things, you are part of the problem. If you're not being actively anti-racist in those ways, ipso facto, you are racist. Now, you'll, you'll notice that those two concepts, what I described as being anti-racist and, and what activists now think of, of anti-racism, those are two very different concepts and they don't really, they don't really mesh together. In fact, if you were to show an activist, a racial activist, my definition of anti-racism, um, they would say it's being complicit with white supremacy. They would say it's colorblindness and they would mean it in a negative way. Um, the, the, the concept of being anti-racist in terms of leftist ideology, Frankly, it's just not something I can support because the problem I have with racism is that it removes individualism. The problem these people have with racism isn't that it removes individualism because they're not individualists. They're collectivists. They are fine with the concept of tribalism. It's just that their issue with it is that they don't want white people to be on top of the pyramid. They want other groups to be on top. So that that's what they, they want to do to dismantle racism, right? That's, that's how they view it. Um, as a white person, the need to prostrate yourself to POC is at the core of what they view as anti-racism. And we've been seeing this all over social media with the riots happening. We have this apparently uh, police officers, they've been described as washing non-white people's feet. This is a moving, beautiful, stunning example of anti-racist action. This is how good white people behave, how they dismantle racism. We have, you know, the infamous photos of white people in chains, good white people. No, no, I I'm sorry. White people, black people, no person should have to kneel before another because of their race. And if you don't understand why I have a problem with that, you don't understand why people have a problem with racism, period. Right. And it's, it's that whole idea that what I think of as racist and my problem with it is not the same as what these people think of as racism. Right. If you're confused by the progressive definition of racism and how they discuss it, just replace racism with white supremacy and it'll make more sense to you. Right. Because these people, when they say they want to fight racism, that's really what they mean. And they're operating under the assumption that everything in this society is is white supremacist. Right. This whole concept they have, it rests on intersectionality, Marxism and tribalism, none of which I'm on board with and none of which I think go toward furthering actual equality. And, you know, the idea that you, as a white person, to be actively anti-racist, you need to surrender your power. We actually have seen that lately. Uh, the Reddit co-founder, a white male, has resigned 
because he's too white. That's right. We have this article from Global News. Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanian announced his resignation from the board of the social media site and urged the board to replace him with a black candidate. Wow, what an amazing ally. Ohanian, who is white, implicitly linked his, mo his move to protests around the globe over the killing of George Floyd, a black man who died in Minneapolis after a police officer pressed his knee against his neck for several minutes. I'm writing this as a father who needs to be able to answer his black daughter when she asks, what did you do? Ohanian said in a blog post he pledged to use future gains on his Reddit stock to serve the black community, chiefly to curb racial hate. These people, whether it's the economy or race relations, they really do see everything as a zero-sum game. So if you want to help black people, that means you hurt yourself. You resign from your posts. You humi humiliate yourself. You bow to them. And it really is just this this disgusting, spiteful, resentful attitude. And I'm not saying, I'm not pointing this out to excuse racism against black people. No, it's all wrong, but it all comes from the same place. And these people aren't working to dismantle the idea that race should not be what defines us. If anything, they are trying to enforce it. Um, we also see as a core tenet of being anti-racist, the idea that white people are the bad guys, period. Like you cannot be anti-racist unless you acknowledge that white people are the problem. It's not enough to say, oh, well, you know, any people of any race can be racism and it's all wrong. Uh-uh, that's not anti-racist. To be anti-racist is to call out whitey. No, I'm not kidding. And we have uh, this example here. Terry Crews recently got in some hot water on social media for something he posted. He said, defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth, like it or not, we are all in this together. So here it kind of seems like he's calling for um, racial re reconciliation, right? We need to do this together. It's, it's not white people are the enemy. It's black people and white people fighting against white supremacy together. And I think that's actually a beautiful message. You know, equality is the truth. I, I agree. Other people did not take this message, message so fondly. We had this person saying, brother, here's why your tweet is a problem. One, black supremacy isn't possible unless we rewrite the last millennium. Two, who's doing this without whites? Plenty of allies. And three, your voice is too big to tweet so inaccurately. They are unable of viewing prejudice on an individual level, right? So in their views, black black supremacy isn't possible. It doesn't matter if you have like actual like Black Panthers, Black nationalist people saying F white people, I hate white people because we live in this like white supremacist society supposedly. It's still not black supremacy. It's not black supremacy until white people are all in change that then maybe it's possible but even then, probably not because of history. And I know people, we can get burnt out of talking about these same issues again and again, but we need to keep at it and, and we we need to do something about this because I don't know how much longer our, our society can keep together if we have these race baiters trying to tear us apart based on, on racial lines and pretend pretend as if they're the ones who are seeking peace. It's not going to end well. And, and I hope I hope we see things calm down soon, but I'm not optimistic. That's pretty much all I have to say for now, though. And as always, I would love to hear what you guys think. Again, what do you think being anti-racist means? And what can we do to make these people understand how, frankly, yes, racist they are actually being and how divisive uh, their rhetoric, their narrative, and their agenda actually is? Let me know. But that is it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.